This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The following show has a lot of explicit content. I'm sure you'll like it because of that. It's Monday, March 5th, 2018. From Slate, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. The Gist, the place for progress. I do think progress is being made, and I feel the need to point this out. I've been listening back to these shows, and it seems like I have three big areas of inquiry. One, why are things getting better, yet it doesn't feel good? Two, I like to talk about good ways to disagree. And three, the inanity of Billy Joel's song lyrics, rock and roll, and cola wars. That's what put him over the edge. But on to progress. Sometimes progress is made not just by good things increasing, but by threats abating. I talked about this last week with HIV infection rates. This is also true in the case of Clear Channel Media. Clear Channel, a behemoth radio company said to have silenced the Dixie Chicks and advanced a pro-George W. Bush agenda. I think those are pretty accurate charges. So back in 2001, 2002, it was a lot more logical to fret about the pernicious influences of legacy media, or as we called them back then, media. So Clear Channel was this huge station and it kept certain songs off the air and maybe it promulgated a certain agenda, but then it evolved. And by evolving, I mean it lost market share and it changed its name to iHeartRadio. A little thirsty, no? I know a few products where the brand name is an affirmation of that brand and in all the cases, the brand goes out of business. To wit, gee, your hair smells terrific shampoo, actual product. Or it was, now they went out of business. Nobody beats the whiz. Turns out someone did, out of business. And now it's iHeartRadio. I mean, think about it. I is singular. One guy, that's not enough for ratings. And they've since changed the name. They've expanded it, so that's good, but they expanded the wrong part of it. Instead of changing iHeartRadio to WeHeartRadio, they change it to iHeartMedia. The I is still singular. In fact, now the I, that person, is being asked to pay attention to radio and all other media. So, of course, the audience share has dwindled further for their radio stations, and the inevitable is happening. iHeart started out as a radio company. It's much more than that now. A lot of digital, a lot of billboards and like that. Uh, they are rumored to be going into Chapter 11 bankruptcy at the same time. Today. Yes, bankruptcy. iHeart Media. People don't even talk like that. Hey, what are your interests? Or filling out a dating file. You know what I really like? I love media. I just love media. Be it a play, a TV, a podcast, just give me media. If it's a medium and there's more than one of it, I love it. Canvas, frescoes, I just heart every medium. Collectively, I heart media. But the point is that this threat, this 15 years ago, this danger is dying. It died of its own free will and accord. And no one gets credit. I don't know, maybe no one should get credit. It's like when everyone forgot about SARS because Ebola was so bad. Now we have a new form of media, social media, and that's the one we're fretting about. So back then, 15 years ago, the thing to worry about was this, that huge media companies controlled what you saw. Now, with Facebook and Twitter, the thing to worry about is this, that huge media companies exercise no control over what you see. Maybe this is not progress.
Maybe this is stasis. Maybe I heart stasis. On the show today, I heart hutches in the spiel. But first, I heart sexual mermen. And I heart outdoor advertising by the trio and hot dog cannons. All right, maybe not. Maybe I don't heart them, but I at least saw the Oscars. And so did my guest, Katie Lazarus. She's a comedy person. She is comedically personable. And we discussed the irony of an awards show that aggressively plays people off the stage as those people are saying, wait, one more thing. I got to get this out. Time's up. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I remember I was watching The Muppet Show once and Kermit said, we on The Muppet Show like puppets. In a similar vein, I shall announce this. I, in the world of podcasting, like radio. And one of my favorite things on the radio is an event just happened and, and the gang talks about it. I like that model, so I'm going to try it now. Yesterday, in Hollywood, or as I call it, Tinseltown, the 90th Academy Awards went down, and here to join me is Katie Lazarus. Katie hosts the Employee of the Month show and podcast. Uh, there'll be a live one on March 15th in New York City. We'll talk more about this. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm good. I'm just so thrilled to like even be considered a Muppet. You're, exactly. Now, Katie, you've done some comedy writing. Yes. You ever written for an award show? I have, and they're sometimes painful to write for. I mean, the thing with something like the Oscars, yeah. that's so hard as someone who's non-famous and non-successful from my vantage point is like, they have everyone. Yeah. They can ask anyone to do anything, and yet as a viewer, you're like, why is this always a little too long? That's right. I, so let's skip right to the stunt where they gather together a bunch of celebrities and they go across to a theater where people are watching the show. I I appreciated what what Jimmy was struggling with. First of all, it's the Oscars. It's not him as the host, right? But it's just like cut it. <laughs> oh, you thought that was bad? Yeah, we we want to we want the show to move on. Like cut that bit. See, I think why that bit existed is that last year he got a lot of guff, a lot of flack for bringing in regular people and parading them. And some people said as if they were zoo creatures. I think the people who he brought in and introduced to the stars in the theater were thrilled by it, but some took umbrage. So he inverted that and said, instead of taking regular people, and we'll look at these specific people, we'll take stars and bring them to an undifferentiated mass that we just call the audience and get a similar effect. I don't know if you've gone to a lot of zoos, which I have. <laughs> I feel like enough. We get to go to the zoo on our own. Like I, it, I just it, the award show is so long, and for the rest of us who are not going out partying that evening, yeah, it's a Sunday night. Just like keep it under three hours. So the purpose of the award show is, I guess, to honor Hollywood. But in the last couple of years, it's taken on a different and I guess they would say deeper purpose to try to comment about the state of the world. Is this a is this a positive trend? Wait a minute. OK, for, for starters, this has always been a, a challenge, right? We look to stars. We pay attention to celebrities. We've created this culture. We're part of this culture. And then we slam them if they actually use that platform to do anything outside of plug their movie. Well, no, I don't think that I'm and, not and doing that. And that's been happening a long time. I mean, Some people, I mean, I, I, there are critics who do that. I would say that any 
sentiment expressed, if it's well expressed, great. But if it's like de rigueur and if going in, it's like, well, this is an awards show slash lamest, uh, lamest consciousness gathering, then this is not an award show I want to watch. Well, I think that's very fair. I remember uh, many, many years ago, uh, James, James, I was about to say James Carey and give him a lot of gravitas, yeah. um, although he is a good actor. Uh, Sir James Carey. <laughs> Sir James Carey. Uh, Jim Carey, uh, I believe he got up and he just said, you know, Viva el Ecuador or something uh-huh. like that. And he was just sort of making fun <laughs> of this need to sort of political hashtags before hashtag even yeah. existed. But the fact that the these uh, stars and celebrities would get up who are making millions and millions of dollars and suddenly for one moment say, and I also care about uh, these people, even though I may or may not be giving money to this cause to try to help them. I'm, so he, he poked fun of it and it was hilarious. Well, I think, okay, so I think that the general garden variety lip service platitude is rendered really lame when it's juxtaposed with someone doing it well. So yes. I think- Oprah Winfrey gave a really good speech. Oh, yeah. That was that was on point and that was just relevant to America. No matter what the forum, it would have been appreciated that Golden Globe speech she gave. And I think that Frances McDormand in her acceptance last night, that was interesting. That was different from what I normally saw. It wasn't perfect, but compared to everyone else who said, and we're dreamers and we believe in dreaming, meh, who cares? So I was... Frances McDormand, first of all, is probably one of the greatest actors I've ever seen. Yeah. And her speech actually was the most important speech. I'm just, I get a little sad because I think that her brain works so quickly that yes. she missed a couple steps that the rest of us would have needed. But what she was actually so if saying. To, if you were to be the McDormand translator, what would it be? <laughs> okay. If I could be the McDormand whisperer, um, I'd say, are you an anarchist? Because you're working within a very conventional <laughs> corporate system. Because she kept referring to herself as an anarchist. But but in, in all seriousness, she was trumpeting something that should be used in every single sector. And in Hollywood, what she was doing there, what we don't get as commoners, as the riffraff, yeah. is that these people are also speaking to the people in power who make these decisions. And this is their only chance for face to face with them. And what she was saying to them is, hey, really famous actors, put an equity rider into your contracts. And there was a statistic. So Stacy Smith, who is the director at UC Annenberg's like media diversity and social change yeah, program. Yeah. And I'm sorry that if I'm getting the, the title wrong, she was quoted as saying, you know, in 2013, I had some big stars, put in this inclusion rider, the percentage of people who are of color, including women, or women who don't happen to have as much color. The pale women. Yes. yes. It would have gone from 16% to 41% higher rate of inclusion. And I hope that this rider extends to people of different sexualities and ethnicities and religions and every ism, uh, disability, you know, that that isn't represented, but an inclusion rider. That is what she meant to say. So- she just said at the end, the last thing I'll leave you with is this inclusion rider. You think she should have spelled it out a little to t- tell people what? Just a tad. I mean, it, it's a yeah. challenge because you're speaking to so many people. Right. So you're speaking to the people in the room, the insiders. And then you're also speaking to, to us, the riffraff at home. Right. What do you think of the job that Jimmy Kimmel did? So I personally am a huge fan of Jimmy Kimmel. And I think he embodies what the feminism movement has done best, which is helped particularly white males, but men in general, 
I think that if anything, they get to enjoy fatherhood in a way and and be much more loving with their kids and show affection. They get to be more articulate about their feelings. Yeah. And now women get to have to hear about it. No, get to hear. No, about the it. Jimmy the Jimmy Kimmel redemption arc from man show host with juggies oh. on trampolines. Yes. to sensitive I, guy with permanent three day growth. I'm going to correct you so that your listeners don't have to. Yeah. Juggy squad and girls on trampolines are two. Different. The juggies weren't on the trampolines. <laughs> no, that was a totally different segment. Really? I know what I know why you've confused them. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Cuz they could have been one or none. Yeah. But you do think that Jimmy Kimmel A is a good host and B is kind of benefited from feminism yes. awakening? Yes. Yeah. First of all, Jimmy Kimball does everything I cannot do, Mm -hmm. which is he can speak to mainstream America. He is accessible to people who will immediately um, tell me all the things wrong with me. But yes, he can he can talk to people who who I cannot clearly, mm-hmm. and that's why um, we have so many Jimmys on television with late night shows. You mean communicate to the regular yes. person. Yes, yes, he yes. can he can talk to to people who do enjoy the Man Show and wish it was on the air. This so this is what I think is very good about Jimmy Kimmel: uh, the basics of timing and understanding comedy and being able to think of funny things. But he has this way to meld the everyman and the. I don't know if you want to say highbrow, but the kind of cutting, lacerating comedy that normally would mark someone as, you know, an outsider or a mean guy. He's both an insider and outsider. I, no, I don't think there's anything about him that qualifies as an outsider. What I'll say about Jimmy's speech is I thought it was very funny, his monologue. And yeah. I read it the next day, this morning, and I thought it was hilarious. And I have to do a shout out to Maya Rudolph and Tiffany Haddish because I thought that they embodied Everything that has been leading up to this moment, which is that they were the two who embodied Time's Up and the fact that the racial inclusion has been so hard um, and they were funny. We went from Oscars So White to Time's Up and they were a little of both. They were a little of both and and hilarious, which like I think it's much more important at the end of the day when we're asking people to be thoughtful and funny. It's a very hard line to do and do it quickly. So. What I was going to say about Jimmy is this. I think that he, most of the time when someone is really funny, they're biting, they're lacerating, they leave victims in their wake. And maybe we see ourselves as on the side of that guy, like a Letterman type, usually guy, but Tina Fey does it too, right? Normally we say we're on their side, but Jimmy Kimmel has this ability to do that, but also to make more people feel included than like his heroes, Howard Stern and David Letterman. That's what I think. Totally, because it, because there is still like some joy in him. Like, yeah. See, I think that the good jokes Kimmel made left fewer victims than other kind of jokes that would have gotten as big a laugh, but wouldn't we wouldn't feel so victimized. I completely, I don't know we, but I completely someone. felt like this Oscars was so milk toast uh, overall, and it made me sad because I wanted more humor. I mean, I loved when he unleashed last year, but I have to say. It's also a good wake up call (laughs) to see that, you know, this is hashtag politics. This is Hollywood. It's a business. Things like Time's Up may or may not, quote unquote, trickle down, but not a good measurement stick. Not a good thing if we just leave it to the stars to be in charge. Yes. What do you make of the, did you, I guess from our circles, we definitely saw that there was this backlash to the best picture front runner, three billboards. It didn't win. Shape of Water did win. What'd you make of all that? Well, I wonder, I mean, we also have to take into consideration it's post Weinstein. And because you don't have someone jockeying for all these votes and all this political maneuvering, you actually have more people perhaps 
voting, not with their heart, yeah. but more people considering their own voice. And I think that that may have split voting votes. Their conscience. I don't know yeah. if they were voting their conscience. They may have been voting their own wallets and self-interest. Yeah. The uh, the three billboards backlash. I listened to a uh, I listened to a podcast on The Ringer, 33 and a Third, and Wesley Morrison, who wrote about it in in Also an employee Times. of the month alumni. Yeah. So Wesley was on the show and it was it was a good discussion about how they framed it is is three billboards the new crash because it was so tone deaf in Wesley's opinion to uh, and and the other members of the panel was tone deaf and there was uh, the main character the Sam Rockwell character in this one had this uh, redemption and quick turnaround and sort of you know you could look at it as being absolved of racism I wonder if that comparison not to be shamed into a crash went far and convinced anyone we don't want to make the crash mistake again. Fascinating. I mean, I didn't think of it as a best picture, but I did think it was a phenomenal play turned film. Yeah. And it was a fun and interesting ride. And I certainly didn't know what was coming next. And uh, none of the characters were particularly redemptive, but they weren't all bad either. And I think there was this huge trend in Hollywood, which I'm so over of, look how we're doing all these thorny characters. And I'm like, yeah, yeah and there's nothing thoughtful about them right, whatsoever. Right, difficult antiheroes. Yeah, it's just as by the numbers as a hero. Yeah, like, whereas this was at least trying to have more depth where we're complicated as humans. That said, yeah, I did find it a little tone deaf. Um, And I can understand uh, Wesley's article made perfect sense to me. uh, The thing that bothered me, I liked Wesley's article. I've listened, I listened to about six podcasts about three billboards where people were discussing it. And in every podcast where people didn't like it, every single member of the show didn't like it for almost all the same reasons, like Pop Culture Happy Hour hated it, and the 33 and a Third podcast hated it. Sean, the moderator, said he didn't, but he was just there to be a moderator. So he was eliciting, eliciting the opinions of everyone who hated it. But in film spotting, both those guys loved it. And it, was, it did largely break down on racial lines. But everyone agreeing and no one disagreeing with each other, I have not actually heard. This is dispiriting. So I guess there was a debate around three billboards, but there was no actual literal debate. I never heard a debate around three billboards. I heard an excoriation or an appreciation. I see a ton of films. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm not a fair audience, perhaps, in that I'm I, the I bar is set high. I most of the 7,000 people who vote do also. This is the Hollywood Insiders. They do. Yeah. And the thing that I would like, first, I wanted lower thirds, which are just at some part on the screen. Can you please put the names of Chirons. people? Yeah. Like when they had the activists. <laughs> They didn't even name them. They yeah. were like, "Here, here's our, here's our activists. <laughs> They're in charge of certain causes. We're not quite sure, but the important thing is they do something thoughtful and they don't get paid very well. <laughs> the second thing I want is that I want, did you see that 30 Rock episode where Alec Baldwin sees everyone as, as dollar signs uh-huh. and then Jack McBrayer's character, the intern, sees everyone as Muppets? <laughs> yes. I was so excited when you introduced this as a Muppet segment because I was like, that's how I see the world as Muppets, which is probably what You see it through like. the Muppet gaze. I wanted the Alec Baldwin gaze for yeah. someone like me, where if you saw how much these people made, yeah. how much would that change? Or or how much the, the movies cost or how much they got paid for them? How much would that change your thoughts about these films? That is a good point. Katie Lazarus is the host of the Employee of the Month podcast. This is a podcast that's uh, it's like a variety show or a talk show recorded live. It'll be March 15th at the Gramercy Theater. And Hannibal Burris is going to be a guest. And you're having the, the famous uh, award show choir from the Grammys, right? Yes, the Resistance Revival Choir who they were also at the Kesha, Women's March. Right? Exactly at the Grammys? Right. Katie Lazarus, thank you so much. Thank you. This was a total joy. It was an honor just to be on this program. 
now the spiel. Hey, you know what I don't care about? Ben Carson's hutch. That's all I need right now, Ben Carson. You and your hutch. Ben Carson's hutch is regularly included in the parade of horribles that has rightly attached itself to this administration. Here is Jake Tapper on CNN yesterday. So that was the president in Florida, but back at home, an avalanche of news out of the White House this week. Take a look at just some of the headlines. Um, Kushner security clearance downgraded. Sessions pushes back on Trump after a disgraceful insult. Hope Hicks is resigning from the White House. White House meltdown on full display. Ben Carson says he wants to cancel 31,000 dining room furniture order. Defiant John Kelly, the chief of staff, continues to misrepresent his handling of Rob Porter scandal. It was a particularly chaotic week. No, 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 no. Kushner's security clearance, big deal. Trump pushing back on his own attorney general. Yes, do pay attention to that. But Ben Carson's hutch, Ben Carson's GD hutch, Over on CBS, they got down to very specific dollar amounts about the hutch. You have three cabinet secretaries facing questions about their spending habits, whether that's Ben Carson and the $30,000 hutch he wanted to buy for his office. $31,000. $31,000? Sorry, fact-checked. Sorry. (laughs) You should be sorry. The difference between $30,000 and $31,000 needs to be pointed out. Trump unveiled a $200 billion infrastructure proposal that could actually mean that $20 billion will be spent or $230 billion will be spent. That is the range of estimates from University of Pennsylvania. Or it could result in $1.5 trillion being spent. That's the administration's own estimate. That is where we need the fact check. Between 30 and 31,000? Come on. Now, you may say, yes, yes, Mike. But the infrastructure spending, that is just a figment of one's Trump imagination. Well, guess what? So's the hutch. Carson after embarrassingly obfuscating, canceled the order. It was a hutch that wasn't. Now, the hutch was to be, quote, a mahogany table, 10 chairs, and a handful of sideboards, including a three-piece set, quote, crafted with crotch mahogany, satin wood, and quartered mahogany borders with carved teardrop and dental molding on the crown. All right, to understand my interest in this subject. Let me tell you a little bit about my weekend. So my girlfriend's an architect, and she was putting together some uh, decorations, uh, interior design options. There were all these folders, and they were labeled. And I don't want to brag, but I'm the one who got to print out the labels and label them. Uh, sometimes I had to redo them because I put the labels a little low, so they were hard to see when you stack them all in a row. But anyway, sofa, coffee table, bed, side table. And I was looking through them, and my mind was being blown at the prices. I was just saying, holy Christ, this is a table that costs more than a car, a very nice car. And she said, yeah, that is how much that table costs. And I said, oh my God, look at this. You could get a sectional sofa made in Italy or you could buy a modest home outside Kansas City, Missouri. And she said, yeah, that's how much that sofa costs. And I said, honey, at the risk of being boring, I just found an armoire that if you got full value for it, you could trade it in and instead pay in-state tuition for a degree in the hard sciences at a pretty top-flight research university. And she said, yes, you are 100% right. You are being boring. So yeah, it's true. You could get cheaper chairs and tables and hutches. You definitely can. But $31,000 for a big table and 10 nice chairs and whatever hutch that description of dental moldings was describing, it's not so outrageous as to be lumped next to the president criticizing his attorney general for following the law. And obviously what Ben Carson was trying to do was to create an effect 
where someone comes into the office and he or she sits at those tables and looks at that hutch and it makes them want to say, quote, I'll just stay here. They will take care of me. Oh, wait, sorry. That is not where that quote comes from. That was actually Ben Carson was asked, what does it mean to show compassion in public housing by the New York Times? And he told the New York Times that true compassion when it comes to public housing means not giving people, quote, a comfortable setting that would make someone want to say, I'll just stay here. They will take care of me. Okay. And that, by the way, is one reason why this rankled. The HUD budget is being cut and HUD in general is an agency that helps poor people. And the hutch is a rich person's accoutrement. Let's say we heard a story about the uh, secretary of the treasury taking a Lincoln Town car to meet the head of a bank. That wouldn't seem discordant to us, right? But if it's Ben Carson showing up for public housing in a really fancy car, it would. Mnuchin gets the Lincoln Town car. For Carson, how about a Plymouth Acclaim? That aligns with our expectations. They both get the same salary. It's $208,000, by the way. But the, the obsession with Carson's hutch, it's a little petty. It's a little bit because we do understand smaller numbers. We get our head around $31,000. But if you read a story that says Jared Kushner got a loan for $184 million from Apollo Global Management, and then later he got a loan for $325 million for Citigroup, and both those entities met with Kushner in the White House, then gave his family the loan. They're so big that I guess they don't register as much. I mean, all I know is that I saw that $31,000 for the damn hutch. I saw that cited about a hundred times as much as I saw the Kushner loan dollar amounts. Yes, some of it's because of the Carson denials and some of it's because his explanations were pretty see-through. And also Congress apparently needs to approve redecoration of more than $5,000 and they tried to sidestep that. But there are downsides to making a huge deal over the hutch and what Ben Carson's doing. It's not that important. It's just not that important And if you pretend it's important, if you're in the media, then citizens can lose sight of the stuff that's really important, like Kushner's loans. But also it shows that there's no great ongoing dedicated reporting of HUD. It is a big sprawling bureaucracy, but it does affect millions and millions of people. I'll give credit to ProPublica. They did a big story on HUD, but there's no one who's dedicated on the HUD beat, a reporter from a national news outlet there every day on a first name basis with Ben Carson. There just aren't journalists assigned to do that. No one. So Q Hutchgate and a criticism that compared with the scope of the agency and also compared with bonafide scandals elsewhere in the administration, a criticism that's really just a tempest in a teacup inside a hutch made of crotch mahogany, satin wood and quartered mahogany borders, carved teardrop and dental molding on the crown. And that's it for today's show. The gist was produced by Pierre Bienname, who as soon as his dental insurance kicked in, ordered some dental moldings on his crowns. Mary Wilson, just senior producer, just fires up the iHeartMedia app and experiences whatever it throws her way. It could be a radio or a podcast or a puppet show or paper of Paris or installation art. She's just binging before bankruptcy. Steve Lichtai, executive producer of Slate Podcast, would like you to know that the Minutemen's groundbreaking album, Double Nickels on the Ten, originally titled Dental Moldings on the Crown. The gist, beware, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Plague, famine, bloated interior decorating budgets, and death, but also the budgets. Oomperu, deperu, duperu, and thanks for listening. <laughs>